I think there are some out there that the argument is they just don't want to change because they don't want to change or they know what they know and they don't want to change what they know or they don't want to go put in the effort to try to relearn it. The end result is everything around us evolves on a continual basis and firefighters need to evolve to keep up with those changes as well. From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives firefighters the information they need in about 20 minutes. The skies are clearing here in our part of Southern California, but the wildland fires are still burning not far away. Big Bear Interagency Hotshot Squad Boss Charles Morton was killed battling the El Dorado Fire just a few miles from here. I hope the crews catch a break from the weather and can get these fires contained without any more deaths or injuries. Now let's get started. I just had Pete Van Dorp on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about his 2015 article titled Mounting an Intelligent Interior Attack. Coincidentally, Nick Salome, a previous guest on this show, wrote an article this month for Fire Engineering that referred to Pete's story. Nick called it, Why aren't more firefighters making the change to intelligent firefighting? In it, he suggested that some of today's firefighters, quote, after a decade of findings, are still doing the same things they've always done when other proven tactics are available to make firefighters much more intelligent, efficient, and effective. We'll find out what he was referring to and how some people have reacted to it. Nick Salome is a 36-year veteran of the fire service. He was a fire emergency medical services captain level 2 and previous training program manager for the Arlington County, Virginia Department, where he served for 31 years. He's a former chair of the Northern Virginia Fire Department's training committee. Nick Salome, welcome back to Code 3. Thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate you having me back on. So your tone in this article seemed a little frustrated. Do you believe there's a subset of firefighters that are holding back the rest of the fire service? I actually do. You know, I was accused of uh, coming across uh, in a negative tone. I've gone back and reread it, and you, you can tell it's a frustration. This is why we call it a commentary, because I was getting something off my chest for the most part. But... I wasn't trying to create a situation where I was criticizing firefighters. Uh, I'm a firefighter, you know, so I, I know what it's like as well. But I do know that, you know, we have a hard time with change. And it's just been kind of confusing for me why so many people, and I say so many, I don't have exact numbers on anything, but it just seems like a lot of people, even though the fire science information from ULFSRI and NIST has been out there for a decade now, that we're still very slow to kind of catch on with this information and, and start to apply it on our fire grounds or start to create the models within our own departments where we've got SOPs specific that integrate this information and we're actually applying it on our fire grounds and integrating it in our training to get everybody where they need to be. My thing is I watch video all day long most of the time 
So I've seen, you know, lots of different uh, depictions of fire grounds. And, you know, it's one thing to go back before 10 years ago and see people doing it the way that we learned back in, the, say, the 70s, which was kind of our bread and butter fire standards. And nowadays, you know, every once in a while, you'll come across a fire department that is doing it by the book according to the science, where they're utilizing that transitional attack when they can utilize it at the front end of an incident uh, versus waiting to the back end when the fire's already gotten out of control, you're starting to back out, and then you're really going into a defensive posture. And departments like uh, LA County Fire Department, they've done a phenomenal job of taking this information and just kind of rebirthing their fire department with the science built into all their operations and, and doing it in a manner that is becoming safer for firefighters, but it doesn't take away from the aggressiveness of firefighters. They're still getting in, getting the work done. And, and none of this stuff is intended for us to sit outside and spray water inside all day long. You know, transitional attack is, is one tactic. It's not a one size fits all, but the intent there, it's still an offensive attack mode tactic and it's intended to rapidly get you inside so we're getting a quick reset within a 30 to 60 seconds and then getting the crews inside under better conditions and improving conditions for saveable trapped occupants that are inside as well now along those lines you said and i'll just quote from your story it's disappointing to see some well-known influential names in the fire service trying to be counter to the modern fire science message of maintaining intelligent aggressive firefighting can you name some of the people you're referring to? Well, I'd rather not name them. I think people in the fire service, they know the, the folks that I'm referring to. But the fact is, it's like everything else in a fire service. We're always split 50-50. Some of those leaders that, that we've all learned from and were the godfathers of firefighting for us, you know, when we came on, whether it was in the 70s or 80s or, or coming on now, you know, those folks, they kind of split 50-50. Some are on top of the fire science information. They're actually participants within the, uh, the UL studies. They're out there doing the, the field experiments and, and real structures, real world scenarios, and they believe in it. And the contrast that I use in the article is, you know, my own motivation for this article was Chief Pete Van Dorp, you know, reading his article, talking about similar conversation about intelligent firefighting. And here's a guy that 30, 40 years on the fire department, he was trained kind of like I was trained, where you came up knowing, you know, what we knew back from the 70s. And that was kind of our, our script that we were going off of. And has been able to come through his career and realize that the new science is much clearer. Uh, it's debunked. It's clarified. It's identified new things. It's created a, a vocabulary that puts the conversations in the proper context. And here's a guy just like me that can see that there is a, a significant difference. And while some of this stuff sounds familiar, like when we talk about an indirect attack versus a transitional attack, they sound the same. But the reality is they're not the same. If you look at them in their context, they're two different things altogether. One is a defensive operation for the most part, where we're trying to create a, a tremendous amount of steam to smother a fire. And the other one is very accurate, straight stream, solid stream into a window in a particular way so that we're not creating steam conversion, but we're still cooling surfaces and, and utilizing that to our advantage. A lot of people, you know, they hear bits and pieces of the conversation, but they may not necessarily be putting it in the proper context. And while it may sound the same, it's very different, and you have to actually know the information on the other side to understand where those differences are. Uh, on the other side of that argument, there are some leaders out there that, you know, they, they talk the tough talk uh, that, you know, hey, I was hired to, in the fire service to go inside. And, again, nobody's talking about not going inside. We're just talking about doing it more intelligently so that we can use the tools that we have available to us to, to knock down every inch of that fire as we approach the building and get closer and closer. So it's more of a pr proactive response to the fire rather than a reactive response. 
And our ultimate goal is the fastest water on the fire, irregardless of where it comes from, uh, water cooling, and, and get control of the fire as quickly as possible. Um, you know, and, and I think it's just our culture in the fire service, some of us are just bred based on the people that brought us up. Uh, and they were influenced, whether it's a positive influence or a negative influence, it kind of keeps the, the, the cycle repeating itself, whether you're for it or you're against it. And it's very hard to break those molds because you just have to come to the table with a more open mind, have an understanding of this information and practice it. But, you know, we're, we're kind of skeptical in that we don't believe it until we see it for ourselves. And uh, I would just prefer to have firefighters that not only come with the brawn and the, and the courage, but also have the intellect to go along with it so we can meticulously break down any fire ground that we approach as quickly as possible instead of wasting time. It seems like there are some firefighters on social media who are rebelling against that idea. They seem to mostly be quoting John Salka from the FDNY. He had one quote where he said, just pull an attack hose line and get your butt in there. So where is the disconnect here? I mean, Salka's an experienced guy. Absolutely, and I take nothing away from him. But, you know, when you, when you talk that tough talk, it's easy to win your audience over. Um, and, and, again, it goes back to our culture. You know, when we talk about a transitional attack to a lot of people, that makes them feel like they're less than what they should be because they're applying water from the outside into a compartment. And that's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that you have an understanding that you have an opportunity to put water on showing fire to make a significant improvement immediately. Um, but some people don't look at it that, like that. I think the egos get in the way, the pride gets in the way, the culture's get in the way. Um, you know, it, it's just difficult to, to have people talk like that because it, it's like they're not even open-minded to the possibilities. And the science is fact-based information. And, you know, we can argue it all day long. And if you listen to some of the arguments, you know, folks will argue anything you say about the new science and the benefits of some of these new, these new tactics uh, or understand the dynamics a little bit better. There's always a counter to it, you know, but the, the reality is if, if you're not in the same context, we're, we're talking apples and oranges. So, again, I think if you want to get the audience really easily, you come across with that tough talk and you win people over left and right. You know, I do a lot of uh, I, I work with the SBSK page on Facebook and, you know, we're in these discussions all day long. And, you know, we strive for for the healthy debates back and forth. And, uh, you know, we talk to these folks all day long. But, you know, something that I've seen the last three, four years of doing it. Uh, with SBSK is that we've actually seen a shift in our followers and that, you know, it seems like we're stronger now with the folks that get that the science has got benefits to it and they're actually applying those in their everyday fire grounds. But then you still have a handful of people that, you know, want to come in and trash talk or say, you know, to go inside, you know, so you can spray water from the outside all day long, but I'm going inside. And again, that's great tough talk that makes any, it pumps up any firefighter, you know. Uh, but it, again, if, if we can disassociate our emotions with the reality of what we're talking about, then I think you start to see a clear picture that, that there's benefit to knowing the modern fire dynamic information, to understanding the modern tactics, and not using them as a last resort, but actually putting them at the front end of the incident where they're actually going to do the most good. For instance, uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day about an incident where they had a life hazard, but the, the front of the, the fire was showing on the front of the building. Uh, it was a multi-family condo type building or apartment style type building, three, four stories, lightweight wood construction, fires running the outside pretty rapidly. It's going into the ceiling up above. 
Um, and people criticize them because they did a transitional attack on that outside fire, got that under control very quickly within, within 30 seconds to a minute. And that allowed the crews to move in right behind that and under safer conditions where the fire wasn't going to come back on them. They were able to search the building. Everything worked out perfectly. Uh, they had great communication. Uh, coordination was there, and they did everything they needed to do. So when we say that, you know, an engine company's responsibility is life safety, if there's a life safety hazard, that's true. Everybody's responsibility, life safety is the priority. But if I can save lives by getting that water under control, which is the problem that, that's creating everything, then I'm doing, I'm still doing life safety. I'm making it not only safer for anybody that's trapped inside, but I'm also improving conditions so that people coming in behind us can move right in and go where they need to go to complete the searches or to, to complete the extinguishment. Um, so it's a different way of thinking, you know, but it, but it, it's not rocket science, you know, it, it, it's science, but it doesn't require us to be rocket scientists to get it. And when you see, you, you come across a video that shows where this is put into action, it, it's so efficient, it's unbelievable. You know, we're, we're talking about your standard fire being 20 minutes before you get it under control. These fires get knocked down within the first two, three minutes. And, you know, we say we make or break the fire in the first five minutes. So, you know, people have to decide whether they want to chase it for 10 minutes and then finally get it under control or in within the first five minutes, I can apply water as soon as I can from wherever that's coming from, get that fire under control, and now I control my whole fire ground much faster. We just had Pete Van Dorp on the show, and he was talking about the fact that if you put out the fire, you can make the rescues. So it's important to put the fire out first rather than worry about the rescues. But I think people who argue against what he's saying, what you're saying, assume that a transitional attack is not aggressive. People are putting their emotions and getting their egos in the way of the conversation. Um, I can be very aggressive with a transitional attack. And again, it's one tactic that's in our toolbox. It's not for every incident. You know, there, there are going to be circumstances where you can move right in on a fire, your floor is clear, you can go right to the room that's on fire and knock it down just as quickly. Um, but in a lot of cases... You know, the transitional opportunity when it's there, generally you're going to make conditions so much better in such a short period of time by just putting that stream into that location. Uh, and again, we're talking 30 to 60 seconds or, or until you get your reset, and then you can move in. And, you know, we hear people talking about, well, you know, it works great in the rural areas because they, they're short-staffed a lot of times and they, they've got to do more with less. Um, and, and I get that. You know, I would rather have my fire under control before I commit anybody to the interior side in a rural setting. But then also people rule it out if they've got, you know, sufficient staffing. But I'd say, you know, why would you rule it out? You still have sufficient staffing, so that allows you to do things simultaneously. You could have the first engine crew going and getting the transitional tag going, making conditions better on the inside, and then the additional crews are moving to the inside with a line to continue the extinguishment or to continue the search as well. It's really all in the way you look at it, you know, but the people that think that we're less than because we're utilizing tactics that are actually more effective and efficient, you know, that's a personal thing, I, I think. The science shows it to you. We're seeing more and more fire ground footage that's coming in where they applied it and it works. And all I'm saying is just, you know, keep an open mind and let's not be slow, so slow to, you know, it's like any other tool in the toolbox, you know, if, you know, we see something that we like, we add it to our toolbox. There's no question about it. And this one just seems to just seems to go to the egos for people. So get the water applied to the fire and everything gets better and you create conditions that are better for everybody involved, whether it's firefighters or civilian life. Some of the officers and the senior men are discounting this fire science. 
Does that mean things won't change until today's younger folks have become the senior men? I absolutely agree that they won't change because, uh, again, it's culture feeding culture. So it's generational and generational. So, you know, for example, you've got a young firefighter out there that's learning the, the new modern methods. They call it what you want. Some people have a hard time hearing modern, but learning it based on the ULFSRI and this information over the last 10-year period of time. Even if they wanted to apply any of that in their fire department, if they've got a fire department that doesn't believe in it and they've got no leadership that's taken their department to the next level to evolve in their fire tactics, they're going to have no voice. So they're going to be very frustrated in their job or they're going to succumb to the peer pressure and move to the other side and they'll just keep on doing it the way they've always done it. Um, You know, if you've got good leadership, you know, in this article, one of the things that I had in there that got taken out when it got published, which I, I was a little disappointed about, was you know, I mentioned what else do you need if you've got this, this information? Well, you need leadership. Um, you know, leaders out there that are seeing this information and understand it, they totally get, you know, that there's a benefit to it. L.A. County Fire Department, their leadership saw that there was a benefit to it. They completely changed their fire department in terms of incorporating the, the fire science information and the modern tactics into their operations. And they're a well-renowned fire department, got a great reputation, and they've been extremely successful. Um, you know, you take other big departments that haven't made the change and they're doing the same thing that they've always done. And, you know, we can watch footage of their departments and see a fire burning out of control for in excess of five minutes before they get water applied to it when they could have had water on it within a minute if they go on with a transitional attack. But that's not what they do. And they're very clear about that. Uh, but when you try to, you know, uh, to reason with them and say, listen, I could have put that out from out here, you know, in under a minute. And it would have been a better condition by the time you got there versus it took you four minutes to get your line where it needed to go. The fire multiplied in size is running the outside of the structure as well and intensifying and spreading rapidly um, and, and still pumping out toxic smoke. You know, they, they want to argue with, well, that's not the way we do it. You know, we go inside. Well, uh, again, I'm, I'm arguing with an ego there and not so much fact-based conversation where we can have a dialogue. So until the other side comes around, we're just not going to mesh in our conversations. But uh, I'm seeing now that younger folks that know the information, they're leading from the rear. Um, they're trying to find an audience. They're trying to get you know their departments involved. Um, and, and I see them really kind of pushing the envelope within their departments. They've got some senior folks in there that just do not want to budge. They don't want to get up and train. They don't want to hear anything about you know new ways of doing things the way they learned it. And as far as they're concerned, that's the way it's going to be until they retire. Like Chief Van Dort, you got to keep an open mind. You know, it's not too late to go back and relearn things. And, you know, he and I both agree that we did it the old way and it worked for us. And, and I would suggest that, you know, even though it worked on, on a fairly decent basis, you know, we were probably just a couple steps away from catastrophes in some cases. You know, maybe we were accidentally successful. Uh, maybe we didn't look at the incidents as closely as we do today when, with an after action analysis or post incident analysis and kind of look at the red flags that were created on our scene that we might not have noticed in the moment. But, you know, we could have gone back and said, well, you know, had this continued the way it was going, we would have had a catastrophic event. Um, but we've seen it both ways, and we're very clear that today's science should be the foundation of every firefighter out there, uh, and it's much better and much more efficient way of doing business. Does it make us look like uh, heroes in capes? No. It makes us look like we're methodical people that understand our job through and through, and we see any fire condition, we're able to weaken that fire condition in a very short period of time, get it under control, and look like firefighters that know what they're doing. Um, but again, 
you know, we bring the public into it and say, well, we do it for them, and that, that's what they're relying on. The public doesn't really care. As long as we're able to do our job and save them, they're happy. That doesn't necessarily mean we have to be inside initially. It could mean you're going to apply water from the outside very quickly and then rapidly get ourselves inside and make things better. Uh, if they're still conscious, the heat is what's bearing down on them if they're not protected by a closed door in a bedroom somewhere, and they need that heat to stop. And just putting that stream in a window is going to knock your temperatures down by hundreds of degrees in seconds, and, and that's doing quite a bit already. All right, we'll leave it there. Nick Salome, thanks for talking with me on Code 3 today. Thanks very much, Scott. Take care. And here's your chance to comment on Nick's statements. I know you have a response, positive or negative, and I'd like to hear it. You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash Nick. Nick had a lot more to say, and supporters who give $10 a month or more at our Patreon page can hear it all right now. They have access to the Code 3 Bull session. It includes Nick's expanded comments, so just go to code3podcast/support to join our patrons and hear the Bull session material. And if you want to get a discussion started, send someone you know the link to this episode of Code 3. And if you want to get a discussion started, send someone you know the link to this episode of Code 3. It'll get them talking and could lead to a real debate, which is always fun. Plus, personal recommendations are the best way to grow this show's audience. Plus, personal recommendations are the best way to grow this show's audience, so I'd appreciate it. Spread the word. Thanks. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.